All right, guys, you can take a seat. Um, at my previous church, uh, I used to be, uh, I served as the worship leader for about six years. And whenever there was a new musician that wanted to join us, uh, there was a way to very quickly find out if they were a decent musician, if they were a good musician. And, and here's what you had to do. You had to listen to them play. Um, and the difference between a decent musician and a good musician is a decent musician knew the notes to play, but they played them way too much. They didn't know when to let the notes rest. But a good musician, they knew what to play, but they also knew when not to play. They knew when to let the song rest. And today what we're looking at is the art of knowing when to rest, knowing what to rest in, and then also knowing how to rest. And what we're talking about is the deep rest of the soul. We're talking about I mean, we're talking about being able to rest while we're working. I mean, doesn't that sound amazing? Like you're working, but as you're working, you also have this deep rest within you. It sounds like it doesn't make any sense, but it makes complete sense. So what I want to do, let me give you a definition of rest. Definition of rest is peace, knowing that everything has been finished. You go from doing to done. And there is a physical rest that we need, but today we're looking at the deep spiritual rest of the soul that we are made for. And if we don't get it, we're never going to really feel at rest. We're always going to feel like we're doing, and we're never going to feel like we are done. You know when you go to, on vacation, and you come back from vacation, and you feel like you need a vacation from your vacation? And here's the reason. You're chasing after rest, and you can't seem to find it. It's because you're looking for a deeper rest than what you have. There's a more uh, spiritual soul rest that we all long for. And it's a rest that allows you to feel at peace, even feel at rest while you are working. And this is not about sleeping on the job. This is about real rest as you are working. Now, this is a completely different way of living than we're normally thinking about. And it's a very rare thing to find someone that can do this, very rare to find someone that lives this way. It's not that they, they don't overwork, but they don't underwork either. They just work at peace. They're working, but they're at peace as they're working. And if you're thinking, oh yeah, that's just a balance, that's not what I'm talking about. If you think I'm talking about a balance, you're missing it. There is a rest that we are meant to work out of. There is a rest where we are at peace, and then we work from that peace. And this is called Sabbath rest, the deep rest of the soul. So today what we're going to do, we're going to... We're gonna, we're taking a break from our series. This is going to be a standalone sermon. And we're going to look today at the fourth commandment. We're going to be in Exodus... 20 verse 8 and here's all it says fourth commandment we're in exodus 20 verse 8 it says remember the sabbath day to keep it holy now the first thing i want you to see is that we are all chasing after rest but we are looking for it in all of the wrong places 
The word Sabbath means to cease. It means to stop. It means to rest. So we think of creation here. So God created the world, and after God created the world, he rested. He wasn't resting because he was tired. He rested because he was finished. He was finished, so he rested. And we are made in his image, so we are made to rest as well. But the problem is the work never seems to end. There's always something else to do. There's always something else to do, so we never actually feel done. We do, and we do, and, I, and we do. I mean, come on, just look at us. We're exhausted. We have t- trouble getting here at 10 a.m. Uh, we, we have baggy eyes on our souls, the baggy eyes of our souls are just shining, and there's, there's always something telling us that we need to do more, and we need to do more. So let's just say, okay, you need more money, so you're going to maybe work harder, you're going to try to get a job, or you say you have more money, and you finally get more money, and you're like, ah, oh. so you take like a month, and you feel a little bit more rested, and then you say, you know what, we can start going out to eat more. Then you say, you know, I really wanted my kids to be at this school. Or you say, ah, we can get the car we've been trying to get. Or we can get the house that we've been trying to get. And so you go for it and you get it. And then guess what? You're back in the same position that you were in before, feeling unrested. Over and over and over again. Uh, or your boss, your boss needs more from you, or your employees need more from you, or your spouse needs more from you, or your kids need more from you, kids always need more from you, or your friends need more from you, or your extended family needs more from you, and then you are called by God to love people around you and serve people, and then you're called to be involved in the church, and you say, oh my goodness, I am exhausted just even thinking about all of this. I mean, don't you feel, I don't know if you're like me, but I feel like there's not enough of me to go around if I'm going to love people like God has called me to love people. How in the world am I going to do this? And so you know what happens is we have all of these voices yelling at us saying, do, do this for, do this and do this. And do you know what voice isn't yelling? Do you know the voice that we, it's a low voice that we don't always hear? It's the voice of God. And so he is the first one to go because he is the voice that isn't yelling. But look at this. So interesting. It is God who's the one who's most concerned for our rest. And he's the one who knows how we need to get it. And in fact, what we find is he is the one who is our rest. But we never go to him for rest because we are too busy chasing after rest. We're chasing rest, ignoring the one who actually gives us the rest. Before God's people were freed by God. They were slaves. And in Exodus 33, it says God freed them so that they might rest. That means the reason, listen to this, the reason that you don't feel rested is because you are slaves to something. You have become a slave to something that is saying do and do and do and do. Never finished. Some master is telling us that there is always more for us to do. And God wants to free us from this, but we keep going back to slavery. I want you to consider that you are slaves to this world more than you realize that you are. 
And I want you to consider that there are cultural pressures all around you right now that are telling you that there is more that you have to do. Do more, do more, do more. And this is a huge problem for us in our culture. There's always more to do. So let me show you what I mean. There's these cultural pressures saying, do, do, do. And they never say done. So if you're a parent, for example, there's a lot of cultural pressures that come with parenting. There's like a measuring rod or a measuring stick. It's basically measuring how are you doing as a parent. And I want to tell you that the culture doesn't always get it right. So when, when we were having, before we had kids, Elise was pregnant with her first cruise, and we registered at Babies R Us. It's a really cool thing. They give you this gun, and you just like shoot this stuff, and it's like you get this. If you shoot this thing with this gun, then someone's going to buy it for you. It's an awesome thing. So you do this, and, uh, it, but, but here's what happens. You get there, and you go like, okay, here's a car seat. So, okay, we're going to get this one. This is the least expensive car seat. This is probably a good one, and you're about to get it, but then you read what's on the same brand, but then the step up, and somehow they make you feel guilty for getting the less expensive one, and you're like, okay, let me I'll look at the middle one, and then you look at the other one, and the most expensive one makes you feel like if you don't get this most expensive one, you're a bad parent because your kid isn't going to be safe. Now, guess what? The car seat that we got, you can't use it anymore. It's expired because they found a way to figure out to make us buy more, even more expensive things by saying, no, nah, this one's not safe for your kids anymore. You cannot get this one. So, so it starts that way, and then your kids get older. And then there's all of these cultural pressures. Okay, your kids have to be involved in this sport. And they've got to be prepared. So you've got to coach them before they actually go to their normal coach. You've got to be a coach to them and prepare them so that, you know, they get there and they're ready. And so you do this and you're just like, okay, come on, we can do this. And you're slaving outside, just trying to get them to do the things that you're trying to get them to do. And they don't want to do them. They're like, why are you doing this? So you'll be prepared. So you do all of this so that they'll be prepared. And then... You know, also, your kids go to school, and so they've got to be prepared for school, and you've got to be a step ahead, you know, with them, and so, so the expectations are always increasing. Like, I think I just needed to know how to write my name in kindergarten. Cruz has to know sight words before he starts kindergarten. Like, what's that about? But hey, this is what the culture's telling us he's got to do, so we got to figure out how to get him to be able to do this, and so this kind of just keeps on going, and we become slaves to our kids' schedules. And then there are the parents that do everything right. And you're like, oh my gosh, I could never, li I could never do this how you're doing this. I feel like such a failure when I'm around you because you're the best at everything. So you have that. And then, so you become a slave to that cultural pressure. Or you become a slave to the cultural pressure of having status. Now you say, no, nah, I'm beyond that. No, none of us are beyond this. Even in our friendship groups, there are, there's a status, like there are certain expectations that are there in friendship groups. And there are people who meet the expectations and people who don't meet the expectations. It's just how it goes. I'm not saying it's a good thing and I'm not saying it's a biblical thing. I mean, I'm just saying it's there. And so let's say you're at the top and you're meeting more expectations than everybody else. So you're feeling pretty good about where you're at. But then guess what? Now, because you're at the top, you can kind of break into this next status group or this next friendship group. And so you break your way in, but now you're at the bottom. 
You're at the bottom. And you still want to be friends with the other people, but you, know, you don't want to like just leave them, but you find yourself hanging out with them less and less and less, and you're succumbing to the new cultural pressures in this new friendship group. And you're like, oh, I got to get to the top of this group. And so you're working to get to the top of that group. Or maybe there's pressure within your family about meeting these certain expectations. I mean, aren't you exhausted yet? I'm exhausted just telling you about it. And then, you know, you're, you've got this goal of retirement, but then you retire, and then you find you're a slave to a bucket list that you have. And then after that's over, you find you're a slave to your doctor's appointments. And it's just the next thing after the next thing after the next thing, and you just feel exhausted, and it is impossible to find rest, and you are, see that you are a slave caught in this bear trap that you can't get out to finally get some real rest. Doing and doing and doing. You know what we need? We need a guide. We need someone to help us find this rest. And so God has given us this, and he's given us a guide to find the rest that we long for, and the guide is called the church. Now, I don't want to be arrogant here about the Grove, and I don't want to be arrogant about churches in general, but what I'm telling you is the Bible is saying that there is a deep rest of the soul that we all long for, and God has chosen this instrument called the church that guides people to find their ultimate rest that they want and that they need. The whole church's purpose is to help you find the rest that you long for. So, I tried something different this week in my sermon preparations. Uh, normally, I just kind of think for about three hours about what I want to say. Well, this week, I decided I'm going to go and walk the Oxbow. The Oxbow has these trails that you can walk on, these hiking trails through the bushes and through trees, and there's wildlife, and there's a river. And my mind, I'm getting to the river. And when I get there, I'm just going to find rest in God, and I'm just going to sit, and I'm going to rest in God. And I'm going to write the sermon out of that rest. And I'm going to think through it out of that rest. So as I'm going, I find what looks to be a shortcut. So I jump on the shortcut. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'm on the shortcut. I'm going to get there real quick. And as I'm going, I realize that I'm a little bit lost now. And I'm becoming surrounded by saw palmetto bushes. I don't know if you know what a saw palmetto is, but the, word, the name of this bush has saw in it. So basically there's these branches and there's little sharp things on them that will saw you. And so I am becoming surrounded by them because I'm trying to get to the river, but I can't get there. And I'm becoming more and more lost and I'm becoming a slave to this oxbow center. Um, and so I'm like, how am I going to do this? And I can see the eyes of these palmettos like they're so excited about me because they're about to cut me all up. So I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm feeling, you know, like this is, I'm, this is like us. We're chasing after rest, and we become more enslaved to the things of this world. So I'm like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get there? So then I take out my phone, and I open up Google Maps, and I zoom in on where I am. And there's these little red lines. And these little red lines are the trails. And I'm like, oh, I got it. So I make my way through the Saul Palmetto. I finally get to the trail, and I finally get to the place where I'm going to find rest, which is right there at the river. Now, what I'm trying to show you is that the church is like Google Maps that brings us to the rest that we long for. 
is what's getting the church is meant to point us to the rest that we want, to the rest that we need. And the church helps you realize something that you never would have realized on your own. And here is what it is. That rest is not found in being inactive. Rest isn't found in inactivity. Rest is found in a person, Christ. The whole point of the church is to convince you that that is true. That nothing will give you the rest that you really need but him. Your rest is not found in inactivity. It is found in the person. His name is Jesus Christ. Now, I realize that this might sound strange, but then at the same time, yes, you can clap, Mark. At the same time, the same time, while it sounds strange, when you really meet him, you say, no, this makes complete sense. And here's why. Remember how we define rest. Rest is about being at peace, knowing that everything has been finished. You go from doing to done. So when God created the world, created it, and then he rested. Well, listen to this. Here's what Christ came to do. He came to recreate us. Here's how he did it. See, what happened is we ran from God. God who is our rest, we ran from him and we continue to run from him. And it's, it's so strange what we do. Like, we're chasing rest, but we're running from the one who actually will give us the rest that we so deeply long for. And so we're chasing it, and we have run from God, and now we're at the point to where we're completely cut off from God, and so now we can't get to him. Getting to him is impossible. But listen to this. This is fascinating. The same way that God created the world and then said, it is finished, the same way Christ recreated us. And then watch this. On the cross, he did all the work we were meant to do. And then on the cross, he says these words. It is finished. Done. What does he mean here? He did everything. His whole work, he had a work to do. And his work to do was to come and do everything that we were meant to do. And then to suffer under all the things because of what we haven't done. And when he finished doing that, then he said these words, it is finished for us. Now, all that he has done is credited to us. And our doing and doing and doing goes to done, period, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. It's all done. Nothing left for us to do because he has already done it. I mean, come on. Aren't you exhausted trying to prove to God that you're acceptable, that he should love you? Working and working, trying to measure up. God, look at what I've done today. God, look at what I've done today. God, look at what I've done today. Don't you love me? Come on, God, please love me. Look at all the things I'm doing. I'm doing it for you, God, or I'm trying really hard to do it for you. Aren't you just loving me, God? Look at what I'm doing, doing, and doing. And he's like, it's already done. Will you stop already? He has done it. It is finished. You know what you're trying for? 
You're so desperately wanting the, rest, wanting the rest of knowing that you are a child of God. But that is not something that you earn. It's something you're born into. It's given to you as a gift through faith. You're born into being a child of God because of faith in Christ and what he has done for you. Man, that's like, the, to know that you are in not just God's hands, but you're in the palm of the Father's hands, and he is enveloping you, and he's saying, everything's going to be okay. I'm taking care of you. I'm going to do everything for you. You're going to be fine. That gives you rest like nothing else. And the living God says, you are mine, and I'm far more powerful than you, and I'm far more in control of things and I'm good, and I'm going to take care of you. We can just rest now. See, we've usually got this view of God, like he's up here, we're down here, and we've got to do enough good stuff. And if we finally do enough good stuff, then we could say, okay, it's done. I did it. But the problem is the Bible keeps telling us over and over and over again, trying to convince us over and over and over again that you can't do it. This is impossible for you. It's beyond us. And so Jesus does it perfectly, and then on the cross cries out, it is finished. And the great problem for the Christian, if you're a Christian, the great problem is we always lose sight of this because we keep losing sight of Christ. We're losing sight of our rest because we're losing sight of Christ. He's not in our vision. We're not looking at him. We're not focused in on him. So we lose grasp of him. So here's what God does. This is the fourth thing I want you to see. God gives us rhythms in life, rhythms of rest to bring us back to rest in Christ. So that's the fourth thing to see, rhythms of rest. Listen, listen, listen. God's giving us rhythms of rest. So look at the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. The Sabbath, keep it holy. The Sabbath is about a whole day of just resting. And my guess is that most of us, if we took a whole day of just resting, we would not know what to do. We don't really know how to rest. We might think we do, but I don't think we really know how to rest. There's a physical rest that happens on this Sabbath day that we're meant to go walk into, but the physical rest is only there so that we might have rest in Christ, so that we might create space in physical rest that will bring us to God so that we can rest in him. So the Sabbath day is about creating space so that you can rest in Christ. So God created the world. Do you know when God created the world, there was only one day that he called holy? And it was the seventh day, the day he rested. So for something, for for God to say it's holy, it means it's set apart. It means it's special. It means it's different from all the other days. It's a special day that he has made. The first commandment. Watch this. If you, like, just look at the Ten Commandments. Watch what happens here. So the first commandment, you know what the first commandment is? The first commandment is all about God, making God your God and loving him. Do you know what the last commandment is? The last commandment says, don't covet. Well, the opposite of coveting is being content. It means 
you have everything that you want. You're content with what you have. You're at peace with what you have. You are at rest. Huh? So the first commandment is about God who gives us rest. Make God your God. The last commandment's about resting. Well, what's right in between there on the fourth commandment is the space that is needed for us to go to God so that we might actually have rest. This is a rhythm that God has commanded you to have so that you will actually have rest in him. And so you'll stop coveting. So you'll stop wanting things that you're never going to get. So you're constantly stop living. I mean, we're constantly living our lives in this discontentment because we're not going to God and seeing that he is everything we need. If we do, we have rest, the deep rest of the soul. It is impossible to find rest without God. So the Sabbath is there to bring us to God so that we might have rest. It is set apart as special this whole day because it belongs, because it brings us to Christ our rest. So New Testament, the Sabbath day, it moves to Sunday, the first day of the week. So when God creates the world, he rests on the last day. Watch what he does. So God creates the world, he rests on the last day. New Testament, Christ comes, we rest on the first day. Here's what that means for you. Now, you rest on the first day, so all the work that you do now, you are working out of rest. It's not that you are working so that you might rest. You work and work and work so that you might rest. No, it's saying you are rested. You have rested in Christ. Now, work and work with that rest. Do you see Sunday as being important, as special? Sunday is the day that you come together and be the church. Together you be the church and you remind yourself that you have freedom in Christ, that you are slaves to nothing, that nothing has hold of you, so now you can be free and rest. Come to remember your freedom. And you know what God also does? In the Old Testament, there's a whole year that's set apart called the year of Jubilee. And during that year, anybody that has any type of debt at all, that debt is forgiven. So we think about our sin, and we think about the, the lack of rest we have because of our sin. All debts are forgiven. Well, this is what Christ has come to do. He's come so that all of our debts, all of our sins might be forgiven so that we can rest. All debts forgiven. The point is, though, that God has set apart Sabbath rhythms, rhythms of rest, so that we might come and rest in him. He's teaching us how to not play the notes. He's teaching us what not to play. So what I want to do real quick is offer you some rhythms of rest so that you might actually rest in Christ. So the first rhythm is this day, Sunday. Make today special. Make Sunday holy. Holy means set apart. It means special. Make this day special. No, now watch this. Don't just come on time. Come early. And, and don't just come early, but on your way here, pray. And pray that God will reveal himself to you so that you might have rest. 
and make this day special. Don't let this day be a day that you miss. This Make this day a non-negotiable for you. Sunday mornings, make Sunday mornings a non-negotiable for you. So this is just part of your every weekly rhythm. You don't wake up and say, do we want to come to church today? That's not a question you ask. You just say, hey, I am the church, so I will be there because I desperately need to remind myself of the rest that I have in Christ. Otherwise, I forget about it completely. And make it special like this. Hey, afterwards, we're going to go out to eat. And we're going to enjoy the day. And you say, oh, I only have enough money to go out once a week. Well, this is the day that is special. So make this the day that you do that. And by the way, if we're like trying to figure Christianity out, one of the best things to do is to create these rhythms so that you might come and discover Christ and see who he really is. I mean, so many people, they spend their lives not even investigating Christianity. And what happens is they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't see a relevance for God, but they've never created any special time to actually come and experience God. So the second, so that's the first thing. Make today, make Sunday special. Second thing is have a special group, a holy group of people, a special group of people where you are going together and resting in Christ and you're reminding each other together about the rest that you have in Christ because now you become a people of rest together, a community of rest. So that's the second. Third thing, set aside time in your day every single day as special, as holy. The time when you go and you be with God in the word and in prayer and you just rest in him. Don't read the Bible to like information transfer. There's a difference between like reading the Bible, like let me look up this fact to I'm just going to go and rest in Christ. Very different. Set aside time every day as special, as holy for that. Fourth, if you've got a family, set aside time with your family as a time, special time, where you together are finding rest in Christ. This is before dinner, before bedtime with the kids, on the way driving them to school, whatever. And by the way, if you're a parent, if you're not experiencing this rest, how in the world will you be able to help your kids experience this rest if you're not experiencing it yourself? And it's so easy for us to say, man, I can't afford this much time. And I just want to say, we can't afford not to spend this time with God because our souls are deteriorating slowly as we're getting less and less rest because we're going to God less and less and less. The eyes of our soul are becoming baggier. True rest True faith is not found in your passion towards God. Though, yeah, that is a great thing. But your outward passion is not an indicator of the best indicator of your faith. The best indicator of your faith is the rest that you have in Christ. It's being at peace in Him, resting. Okay, so what do we do? How do we get the, so we go and we have these rhythms set aside. How, what are we supposed to do when we get in these rhythms? When we spend this time, the rest in Christ, what are we supposed to do? Well, here's what you're supposed to do. You're in a Bible study and just your own time with God. Here on Sunday mornings in a community of people, here's what you do. You say, oh God, you're awesome, but look at my sin. 
and you just take an honest look at your sin with God. Don't do it alone. Do it with God. Just, God, let's look, at, let's look at my sin. Can you just look at my sin with me, God? Because I need you, and I need to remember that I have rest in you, and then that's what we do. As soon as we look at our sin, we look right at Christ, and we remember that he on the cross did everything we were meant to do perfectly, and then died the ultimate death of unrest so that we might become a child of God and rest forever. We just rest in him in that moment. We see our sin, and then we go and rest in him. And then listen to what you can say now. Your value, your worth, it's not declared in what you do or accomplish, even for God. Your value and worth is declared in what Christ has accomplished for you. It is finished. He has done it all. Now, we just rest in him. Like, it's okay. Some of you guys are just exhausted. And you just need to go and spend some time with God and see that he's covered it all. Everything's been taken care of. Everything is done all you have to do is nothing. That's it, nothing. Does that f not free you? Oh, just, God, just let go of your doing, and your doing, and your doing. Oh, there's, a, there's an old hymn, and it says, Lay your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet, and stand in him and him alone, gloriously complete because it's done. Father, we pray that you would help us to find rest in you and in the work of your son. God, we're exhausted. I know we are, God. Give us rest. Let us know that you already have plan laid forth for our life and all we have to do is be faithfully present in doing what you've called us to do which is rest in you and everything else takes care of itself God we just want to work out of this rest God we're so tired of trying to prove ourselves to the people around us and to you God we just want to know that everything has been done so help us to believe it so we might be at rest and we pray this in Jesus name amen